Welcome to Blur Culture Radio! Radio! <laughs> Different from our normal bi-smeekly podcast where we can just vibe out and talk about whatever we want happening in the entertainment industry today. I'm joined by my co-host Ethan. This is Ethan, what's up party people? <laughs> and Humps. Hi, I'm not singing today because uh, Beyonce demanded my voice's tribute and... I am obliged <laughs> to grant that to the Queen of America, so... I want a tear! I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, today we discuss Tim Burton being super Tim Burton-y, Arrow actually being good, but looking good again, and the 20-year anniversary of the greatest gaming system of all time... After Dreamcast. But, but, oh, snap. But before we start the show, remember that if you don't like anything we're talking about, skip ahead by checking the timestamps in the description below and find something you actually want to hear about. Uh, with that said, we will talk and introduce... Humphrey with Tim Burton being, you know, Tim Burton. Go right ahead. So Tim Burton decided to jump on the I'm going to be real stupid right now bandwagon uh, this past (laughs) week with his comments on the lack of diversity in his new film, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Uh, When asked why there wasn't more diversity in his film, he stated, quote, Nowadays, people are talking about it more. Things either call for things or they don't. I remember back when I was a child watching The Brady Bunch, and they started to get all politically correct. Like, okay, let's have an Asian child and a black. I used to get more offended by that than just, I grew up watching black exploitation movies, right? And I said, that's great. I didn't go like, oh, okay, there should be more white people in those movies. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so this movie that is a straight up ripoff of X Men, the school is even <laughs> is even even has the same freaking name. X Men School is called Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. It's like almost the exact same title. It is also a ripoff of Foster's Home for Imaginary Children, as far as I'm concerned. And now you just wanna now you just wanna be like the the most just like tone deaf that you can possibly be with this this they tried to make the Brady Bunch uh, diverse by adding a black is is your term that's the, the term you used I don't the black exploitation <laughs> thing is the <laughs> stupidest thing because black exploitation movies were created because white people wouldn't put us in any of the movies exactly. so what are you talking about oh my, oh my. Uh, yeah I'll just I'll... it was like black exploitation <laughs> is a direct response due to the fact that we have not been represented in media if we were represented hopefully we wouldn't have had this conversation right and Easy. these are things that you know may maybe weren't brought up in your world but guess what they were definitely brought up in ours because every time we our parents saw one of us on screen guess what it was a major thing so even though you didn't care to see an asian or black person on screen that meant a lot to many people and so yes i do take offense to this and by the way i'm fan of tim burton which is why this is difficult here i love big fish his artistry is there i take nothing away from him but at the same time i cannot ignore his comments and i feel like they are so misinformed and so stupid (laughs) that it, it it just like goes over my head is how stupid it is i mean things either call for things or they don't um do you live in the this world is, uh, the, 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 yeah. the world is diverse so this got to be the most white privilege of of society and so guess what that's when it calls for it media calls for diversity it's not something extra that you add in it's a part of life if you don't see that 
and that's very disconcerting. It's really it's heartbreaking because everybody loves Tim Burton, everybody respects Tim Burton's work, except um, me. And so it's just like you, uh, shut up, Ray. <laughs> you of all people <laughs> had to be the one to just you know snatch our hearts out and throw them on the ground. Tim Burton, the last good Tim Burton movie ever was Sweeney Todd, <laughs> and after that. He's just put out pure trash ever since then. I've stopped, like, I've really only liked three movies, but, no, four. No, not five. No, five. I will give him both so, Batman. <laughs> I will give him Nightmare Before Christmas. I will give him Edward Scissorhands. And I will give him Sweeney Todd. But outside of that, he's stupid overrated. The crazy dark thing that he does. And though it's also weird that he keeps convincing, what well, for a long time he was convincing Johnny Depp and his wife at the time to continue to have a relationships. How weird is that? But then again, it's also Tim Burton, because he's really weird. Anyhow... <laughs> How how dumb? You know what else I feel bad for? Sam Jackson in this, is in this movie. Yeah. Who is oh, like, yeah. you know, say he's like a that. big, yeah, he's like a big, you know, pro black thing. When like the when the killings were happening, he had the, I mean, he did the song tribute or whatever. And I got calls for that stuff or whatever because I worked for the company that he got. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so it's just obnoxious that you could be that dense. Like you don't you don't got a black friend or consultant that was like, hey man, it's, maybe not say this or anything. But then well, again, it's not it's not just black either. Black, diverse does not mean black. There are so many different kinds of people in this true. world. You know what I mean? There's more than there's more than just white people. You know what I mean? And it's like I get that Tim Burton his his he likes the 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 super pale dark haired um, aesthetic but like you gotta you gotta grow with the times like you can't every movie cannot be set in a time where black people were still slaves or weren't even allowed you know to be uh, treated as humans um, now that yeah I know um, the thing <laughs> regarding what you said about Sam Jackson so um, I was reading an article and it uh, said that Sam Jackson is actually the first black person ever to uh, be in a lead role in <laughs> A Tim Burton movie, and he's a villain. Um, everybody, yeah. every, every other black person that's been in um, in his films has either been a supporting character or uncredited. And I'm not sure that anything other than that, like any other race, has made it into his movies at all. Yeah, never no, really put I, it I together. Was, I, I can't be a judge of that because I don't watch his movies. But go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, ever since I saw the trailer, aside from being just like happy to see Eva Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on screen again just because she's one of the best actresses out today like Penny Dreadful is by far like my favorite TV series even though it's recently been cancelled but I'm hoping that it comes back but the first thing that I, I noticed for some reason I mean his movies always lack diversity but then then just the fact that I saw Samuel L. Jackson the black character as the villain amongst the kind of you know uh, happy but strange white children it, it, it felt very like pointed almost like yes. I, I just feel like like you have to be very particular about how you showcase people and I feel like just the the idea that that doesn't enter your brain is once again I've used this word before but it's it's disconcerting because this narrative is something that has continued for decades and decades and, and perhaps Tim Burton if you paid more attention to it, you could have avoided this minefield because it's it's not the only issue that has arisen. Like for example, if if we go back to the the X Men First Class, which is an awesome movie, but a you know the as an example, but it's 
it's it's as if like the white children are allowed to be oh we're so strange and different but we are to be accepted but then like actual black people we are still getting killed the first people killed on screen still mm -hmm. so although we have the strongest ability in the x-men universe somehow <laughs> as a black guy i'm gonna die okay that makes sense all right i'm done i'm sorry yes yeah. <laughs> but this, this, this narrative definitely needs to change and it starts by creators stopping and paying attention and stop being so full of themselves to think that they actually know everything. Because yes. he acts as if the sole reason for including diversity is something that is forced and independent from artistic creativity. It's mm -hmm. our job to explore people. If you are disinterested in certain people and deem them as unknowable, unworthy, or so far apart from your world that you can't write them, then you're not truly an artist. And that's exactly. coming as a writer, that's just how I feel. Yeah. You're the director. You have to have a vision of how the world is. Like you have to yeah. view that. That's like your eye. Your eyes are that. Actors, no, they're not responsible for that. Although, I mean, they could help in a way. But like as a director, I mean, I'm not a director, but I feel like you should be able to adapt with it. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, he has he has shown, and I, I I don't I'm not necessarily saying that Tim Burton is racist. I don't I can't say that. He's given me no reason to think that one way or the other until right now but what he has shown me is that the first black person that he's given a lead role is a bad guy um, and that looks real that looks real bad I don't care if you want to say that oh it was uh, it was casting the best guy for the job I don't I don't know it just feel it feels a little bit fishy to me and I I can't I can't sit back and just be like oh no it's cool you know Sam Jackson is great and he just cast you know one of the best actors of our time and he absolutely did but Sam Jackson should not be the first person in a lead role in one of his films. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's right. for, for how long uh, Tim Burton has been in the business and for how long he has been able to, in a sense, call shots in terms of a director in this business, I think that it, it's somewhat actually shameful, if, if I'm being completely honest. I will give him one thing. He made Billy D. Williams two-faced in Batman Returns. That's it. <laughs> That's it. all I will give him. I mean, I like Beetlejuice. I love Beetlejuice, actually. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean no, but I'm I, talking about black people. I generally like, yeah, that's true. I, I like this film, from, from Edward Scissorhands to, to Big Fish, which is actually one of my favorite films of all time, actually. Like, I, it's such like a fantasy, but it's mixed with a real-world drama that I, I related to. And, you know, the, the same courtesy of me being able to see myself in this white character should be extended to other races. That is what we call diversity. I mean, it's a it's a perfect example of that thing that like black people, or no, 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 non-white people are so more, much more aware of the lack of diversity because we simply don't see ourselves represented. White people have a much harder time grasping that you know people other than themselves are not getting opportunities because they are seeing themselves every single day at all times. And so it's like that's why it's such a big deal now that we have so many shows coming out right now, like The Get Down and Luke Cage and Atlanta, Queen Sugar, you know, uh, Insecure. We have so many. We have so many new shows now that are like we're finally seeing ourselves and. It's, it shouldn't have to be such a, a special thing. You know what right. I mean? It should just yeah. be normal. Because un unfortunately, like, quote unquote, diversity is seen as a, a shtick or mm -hmm. something that, like, goes against the scene. And to me, what we see isn't normal. And just right. the fact that, you know, that's the optics of how people view it. It's time for a change. And I mean, okay. it's like, it's... it's 
it's shown with Humps mentioning the, the previous shows that this can be done and like guess what like it's not that big of a deal really to show diversity it doesn't take away from anything so just the fact that people act like it's such a big deal and that it stifling people's creativity is so far from the truth and I feel like if you can't do that then you're not good at your job it's an excuse it's, that's it <laughs> there's nothing else to two, it yeah, so. two final things yeah two things really quick one I also found the black exploitation thing weird because you ain't watching black exploitation black people didn't even watch black exploitation movies like that black exploitation <laughs> movies are they're bad on purpose I guess or whatever so they're B, they're B brought movies. that up yeah when I brought that up I'm like okay you just shut up and then the second thing um, this is a complete sidebar. What's the you know the the kid actor in this movie? Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, he was main, like up to be yeah the main actor. I think his name is Ace or something like that. It was this is completely off topic. It was in there was news yesterday that he was like I, he wanted to be in the DC universe or whatever, right? It was a news thing. Stop doing that news. Stop. T- <laughs> yes, every actor in anything wants to be a part of a superhero movie. They make bunch. They make so much money. Who would not want to be a part of that? It's like, in the 90, it's like in the 90s when every uh, young actor wanted to be in a slasher film. That's the big thing at yeah, the time. Yeah, so we you get it. Stop reporting that. Of course he wants to be in like, this. Uh, Troy, I feel like you get like RSS feeds about people who might want to possibly one day be <laughs> in the film. And you get so it's so obnoxious, yo. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was ranting about, like, I, there's too much superhero news to the point where like, I'm, I've seen something IGN put up uh, a video of Tom Holland breakdancing in the Spider-Man suit. Like, that was their news. They were like, Tom Holland breakdancing in the Spider-Man suit. That's, there was a whole article about, any, okay. Uh, moving on. <laughs> More superhero stuff. Wednesday morning, uh, 10, 11 Eastern, uh, Steve, <laughs> Stephen Amell dropped the new Arrow trailer for this season, which looked hella promising. Oh my gosh, I'm very excited for it. Uh, they introduced a few new characters. Uh, also introduced the idea that Mr. Oliver would actually go back to killing people, which is very reminiscent of the first two seasons, which is everyone knows were the best seasons of the series. Uh, also showed Felicity kissing somebody else, which is like, all right, we we going, we're getting stuff done. Uh, new Does that mean she's Ran- leaving oh, the show? Finally? <laughs> uh, you're dumb. I think the... <laughs> <laughs> the main staple of her messing up was the idea that she was in a relationship with Oliver that people did not want, although they did want, but then they don't want. It's a weird thing. But uh, there was a cameo by former wrestler Cody Rhodes, which made me very excited. Uh, the action looked amazing. Um, we got to see bits and pieces of, of like new gear and stuff. Oh my gosh. A couple notes on my part. The first two episodes are directed by the former stunt coordinator for... Arrow. He directed one of my favorite episodes last season, um, but he's an action director, so he's really good with like the follow cam, which is I don't know, I don't know it's not the proper technique to call it, but basically it's a one shot option where you just follow the person, so you can see every action move. There's no super duper cutaways. You can see that the actor is actually doing a lot of the stunts. Um, and the the coolest thing about this first episode is that the guy made sure to tell Stephen Amell to train really hard because he wanted to do the longest one to one shot in history for Arrow but he wanted to make sure it was completely Stephen Amell so like that's how the show was going to start I'm very excited uh if you guys can't tell what was your thoughts on the trailer he, he's trying to come for the uh, for the the Marvel yeah, Netflix hallway fight scene. Yeah, <laughs> I see him. They I got to <laughs> honestly. Everyone, I mean, he gets a bunch of comparisons all the time, anyway. So they kind of have to now. But yeah, no, I I, I thought it, it's funny because also I, I I heard that it was actually 
they're going to tie in some of the of what happened at the end of of Flash season two for the new stuff. So, so oh. we'll get a better idea of like yeah, we'll get a better. So they're gonna. Idea. Yeah. It's, so it's they want cool they want basically. they want to tie the events of the shows together rather than just the characters. Finally, <laughs> yes. Um, so awesome. basically, they really Love should it. just call the show DC. I mean, this channel DCW. Like I don't understand. <laughs> they just haven't got the rights. I mean, so. So what I'm assuming is that Arrow will be like effect, affected by Flashpoint. That's that's what this yes. sounds mm-hmm. like. Yes. Um, which I think is awesome. Um, I saw this trailer and I was definitely I wasn't expecting that. It it looks really good. It, <laughs> mm-hmm. it it looks dark without like you know the sense of them like trying to be dark. Like it feels natural, which is a very hard thing for a show and I feel like in particular this show to kind of pull off it's been going back and forth between dark and light and I feel like Arrow definitely needs to rest comfortably in whatever like mood that they feel that is right for them because like it's it's definitely a different feel than Supergirl and Flash and even Legends of Tomorrow and I feel like just from this trailer it, it looks like they're making their mark in terms of the tone for for the season. Honestly, I feel like I'm already impressed just from the, the storyline that I've been seeing. It's Oliver definitely going back to his roots, yes. which I, I felt like they, they did a pretty good job of managing his like going off to the good side. And then because like I I never wanted Oliver to be presented as as Batman light. And <laughs> yeah. I, I really get the sense that they are like putting their stamp on who Oliver is with with this yep. season just from, from from what I've seen. I was yeah. Chris Chris Nolan of uh, the Nolan <laughs> Nolan Arrow basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, with, with with that being said, like I probably, you know, the the main time I will be watching is, is for the crossovers just because I'm so bitter about Laurel. I'm I'm hoping <laughs> that <laughs> still that, still like I I'm not going to get over it. You know, like mm. that happened and I'm I'm not one to like normally do this for for tv shows um like oh if if they kill off a character and i feel like it's right for the show or you know something some issue with with the actors but just the fact that i feel gypped like i still am carrying that <laughs> with me just because from the pilot i've been waiting for this to happen they're like nah so i mean but katie cassidy does have like a full like contract with the dc tv verse so there's still hope and i'm okay cool. i have my own like head canon of like with flashpoint <laughs> being able to like fix things and bring oh my back. god i didn't <laughs> think of that wow yeah what if that happens that I, I will be back on i will say it right here on blurred culture radio that I, I will be an avid, an, an avid fan exclusive. of Arrow again and i will stop watching <laughs> blurred culture exclusive exclusive exclusive, uh, exclusive. <laughs> I will be back on the arrow train. I will rewatch the episodes because, like, literally, I haven't seen it since the episode that that she died. So I would, yeah, I would watch all those up to this point. Um, I'm I'm going to watch the crossovers just because, like, I have to get the full story of Flash, Legends, and Supergirl, and uh, and. To take my, my bias aside from the Black Canary trauma, like once again, like this season does look super strong. So that they, they do have that going for them. I will say with this season they they reached the one hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. And wow, already. He, yeah, he teased the cameo by a returning character in this thing. And I don't want to spoil it for you guys, uh, just in case you want to just be... Well, you're not going to watch it anyway. Please, no, I, I, um, might, I might watch oh, it. Okay. Like, so I realize that I also <laughs> haven't watched it since they killed Laurel for no reason. Um, but that you're was not going to like... That was mostly because of Felicity. 
Um, and so if like a second Felicity is coming back, you can remove the CW from my whole uh, cable package because I'm not having to watch it. Terrible. Um, I feel good. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a cameo, and what I appreciate of this cameo is that it shows that the the lock that the DC movie universe that has had on these characters is really starting to open up, especially with Superman. Um, being a Supergirl um, and pulling up. Wait, wait! Don't talk about that. Like that's a good okay. thing. Like, look at him. He's the same. He is the same height as her. Like, it looks crazy. I don't. I can't. Stop. <laughs> I am going to get. I, it's funny because, like, after he does I not look the, impressive. He looks. He look. He looks yeah. like you could push him down, and he would. He would apologize to you. Well, technically, Supergirl is is like most cases. She's stronger than Superman anyway. So, yeah. um, but anyway. So, so I would and just say she, I'm, she I'm looking like forward it. to yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this season of well of, of CW because it's, it's kind of just back on track with things like well yeah. I I still am kind of skeptical on Supergirl but <laughs> but I'm Legends I'm here for Flash I'm here for Arrow I'm here for and yeah we'll see it uh, starts it starts next week mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay so yeah I actually am I'm gonna admit I am excited about Arrow um, just because like I. Like in the third and fourth season when they decided to go the Flash route and kind of get the more fun, like like vaguely cute CW-ish uh, mm. style, it just it felt so out of place. Like uh, it, Stephen Amell doesn't even really fit that t- sort of acting. Like it just didn't work for me. It felt very yeah. awkward. And it feels like it wants to go back to kind of where it its roots back to where it made the most sense where you know where it worked where it was its own standalone thing so um i have hope i may or may not finish season four just to uh catch up uh but you know i'll watch i'll tell you what i'll do you both a favor i'll watch the first two episodes for y'all and i'll let y'all know (laughs) okay that's fine that sounds like a good idea Uh, i have a lot to catch up on that's what i'm here for you guys you know recapper professional recapper but Mm. yeah (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, moving right along to video game news. It Woo! has been the 20th anniversary of the launch of the Nintendo 64 in the U.S., so Woo! we are all old. Extremely uh, old. Definitely... <laughs> I am old. So old. <laughs> um, so this marked something really major in all of video gamedom. Um, the <laughs> Nintendo, this Nintendo console had 3D graphics and analog stick controller, yes. um, and so many awesome... Uh, killer apps from super mario 64 which changed the game of 3d Absolutely. platformers as we mm-hmm. as we know it today and just the fact that i feel like you know we can go back to this console i mean i know i can and like still play the same games like no time has passed of course like the the graphics like you don't remember them being as blocky <laughs> but, <I> mean, <laughs> they were the best ever at that time though right like you you right. thought that but like mario kart was like legit awesome um but I just feel like even like when it comes to first-person shooters, in terms of, of, of home consoles with with uh, GoldenEye and, and Gold Perfect Eye. Dark, like the, the the N64 just like changed the game. And to me, like just on like a personal basis, this is the best console just of all of the video game world. Um, and, and perhaps it is my personal connection to it. Like I just remember staying up like all night playing. Perfect Dark 64, li- literally until like the sun came up. I'm like, oh crap, what time is it? Right. Um, so I mean, this this was just fun. And, and then of course Super Smash Brothers, which is like my favorite of all time. Um, yes. I remember the commercial when it was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, Smash, me and you. And you and me. Yeah, and then 
This was good, this was good singing. It was beautiful. Thank I you. liked it. Appreciate it. <laughs> So happy um, we'll be together. <laughs> so happy All together. Right. Yes. It's like, I'm so sorry. Remember at the beginning of this show where Sean said, I'm not going to sing because my throat, oh my gosh, my it throat. Came you out. Drama, it came out. Beyonce, drama. let me All have right. it back. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I, re- one wish. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I exper- experienced N64 is I went to Ethan's house. And he had Mario 64, and I did not know that. And <laughs> I sat and watched Ethan play that thing for two hours, yo. I just like amazed and drooling, and then I went, immediately went home and uh, and just asked my parents. They said no, <laughs> I couldn't get it. I had to wait till Christmas. Um, but I would say that the coolest thing, uh, the the most memorable thing for N64 to me is how innovative it was, because like they are the people that made up the that created the memory card. I mean, that had the uh, well, not the memory card, but like um, the memory saving system. They, they brought the rumble. They brought the rumble pack. They brought the idea of analog. Uh, they, they brought the idea of the analog uh, controller, which now is used by everyone today, as well as, well as the rumble pack. Um, the 3D graphics for, I mean, the 3D graphics for event, I mean, for platformers like that. Um, Super Smash Brothers, which is to this day one of everyone's favorite gaming I mean, fighting uh, series of all time. Game franchises of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah. In, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm a Nintendo fanboy as as as, as we, we me and me and Ethan are yeah. Nintendo fanboys. Sean, you're, you're standing, you're standing right now. I'm super duper standing. It's 20 years, man. I don't even mm. remember. I know it being know. 20 years past removed, but yeah, uh, thank, thank, I love Nintendo. Yeah, Once and you then get like old, time flies. Man. <laughs> <laughs> then like even the connectivity between like the Game Boy games and the N64 from like Pokemon and Pokemon Stadium. Oh my god! Like god, that was that. Re- revolutionary. Where like you could you know put your lineup into like a full 3D model in Pokemon Stadium. Like there was Bomberman. There, there was a lot of games. <laughs> that I feel like e- even didn't have like a lot of like fanfare but like i so love them on like a very personal level like i i would go over toy's house and we'd play like bomberman yes um, and <laughs> Diddy Kong Racing. we should have been the new super smash brothers like, but you know me yeah i agree yes um, like yes yeah, yeah. totally agree <laughs> that, sean that so happened. i had a different experience with n64 um Boo. i was not i was not, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was not allowed to have one but not oh. for the reason that most people were not allowed to have one um, I have owned every console since the uh, Super Nintendo, literally. And yes. uh, ex- the only ones I ever did not have were the Nintendo 64 and the Nintendo GameCube. The reason I was not allowed to have these consoles was because my parents said I was too old for Nintendo consoles. Now let me explain something to you. In 1996, when Nintendo 64 came out, I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> I was seven old. years. I was seven years old. I could not have that thing. I asked for that thing for Christmas so many times. First, I got the PS One, which, to be clear, is uh, I'll give it my third favorite console of all time. Um, so it was it was amazing, and I was extremely grateful. Um, my entire experience with the N sixty four was at our friend Bernard's house. Um, yes. I would watch him play Super Mario sixty four like every single day uh we would play uh, super smash brothers back then i was horrible 
absolutely like an embarrassment at that game back then. Um, but I just had so much fun. And uh, I just, Super Mario 64, despite never having actually played it until I got it for my uh, Nintendo DS in, I think, 2004, um, it's easily one of my favorite video games of all time. And that just really speaks to the greatness that was the Nintendo 64. Um, that weird, that weird, 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 ridiculous controller that nobody knew how to hold. <laughs> um, it's like it's like iconic for being so weird, but like once you got used to it, it was it was wonderful. It was great. Like when sixty four came out, that was just like that was when video gaming was becoming like a big thing. It was starting to grow with the um, with the PlayStation One, um, and it just kind of took off after that. And Nintendo sixty four just had such a big part in I think making all of us gamers right. Would yep. you agree yeah, with that hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. As soon as I put the handle controller, I would say. Sean, do you remember when, uh, this is when we were in, in uh, Central Middle, and uh, Smartly let us bring an N64 in, and we brought, everyone, <laughs> brought Poke- everyone brought Pokemon <laughs> Stadium, right? And there was yeah. like, these, these mini games, there were these mini games that you could play, and one of them was sans, like the sand slash digging thing, and everyone was playing, but we let our friend, I think, Jenna Lee play, mm-hmm. Jenna and, Lee. She, <laughs> and she had a technique and was whooping everyone's <laughs> tail with this game, yo. I, we, I knew it was real when she put the controller between her legs and then had her hands yep. ready. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> um, that was, oh yo. Oh, my God. My, we also, we played Mario Party that day, and I oh cheated to get my team to win. Uh, we were on this, like, this, like, rail thing where you had to balance the cart. And um, if you didn't balance it at the right time around the curve, you would fall off. So I cheated and I paused while I was on a straight part and the other team was on a curve part. And then I unpaused and they couldn't correct. And so we won the whole thing. Oh, and oh. by the way, like, let's, let's discuss how like Mario Kart 64 can like, ruin friendships. Like, for, like, oh like things like, get so intense. Like, it's, like if you hit someone with that blue shell, like, <laughs> it is over. Like, you're yes. done. Like, like, and, like, we played, like, fighting games and, and stuff before, but, like, when I would go over to my friend's house, like, nothing got as serious as Mario Kart 64. It was different. Like, it was just different. I because will, yeah. you could be so rude with it. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. ruin somebody's day. I will say it, my, it, my... It brings out who you truly are inside. <laughs> speaking, well, speaking of racing, um, my, uh, my fondest memory of, of N64 is uh, I had Diddy Kong racing. And yeah. um, I never, I never owned Mario Kart 64. I, I used to play it over Ethan's, but uh, but Diddy Kong Racing, I got it. And my fondest memory was my father and I were at like the second to last stage where we had to fight this big pork thi- pig thingy, mm-hmm. and it was on a school night. And my dad, I had to go to bed <laughs> at nine, and the N64 is my room. <laughs> and my dad stayed up until midnight trying to beat this oh, thing, man. and then he beat Your it. Your dad, the my uh, dad, Big Troy, my dad was sitting here trying to <laughs> play this <laughs> thing. Yes. <laughs> He beat he at midnight. He beat it, and then he didn't tell me until the next day when I went to go play it again. But that's that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, my favorite man. memory of 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 N sixty four. Just me and my dad trying to find a system. While we're at it, don't forget about Pokemon Snap. Me and Bernard would play oh, that like, constantly. It was like such a basic game, but that. You know, like, stuff was so much simpler back then, but it was yeah. also, in a lot of ways, I think it was also a lot more just, like, raw fun. It yeah. was just fun. And I can't, and you obviously can't go without saying Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, of uh, course yeah, not. I was, I, I, I was late to the party. I never understood Zelda up until, like, I got to Twilight Princess, and then I went oh, back really? and played everything. Yeah, I never, I just was not into that or whatever. But Bernard was, and he would tell me, but I just, I just, like, 
I rather play. I was really I was I like racing games and Smash Brothers. That was that was it. That was my thing mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So yeah, like, coming back yeah. to it, such a hidden treasure. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, like um, I would watch my brother play Ocarina of Time because that game was pretty advanced at at my age. Um, but then I would go back and then like like play his games. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like 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 to this day, I feel like Ocarina of, of Time for me has like the best musical score of like yes. a video game. Yes. Like, Ever like like those those. I'm not those I'm melodies. not going to agree with you because I'm a Final Fantasy fan. Final Fantasy, y'all, yeah. Y'all, I, y'all I, have I, that. Y'all I have was gonna. That. Well, actually, oh, I will, hold on. Even to combat both of you, I will say Sonic Adventure too. But go ahead. Oh yeah. So, okay. Strong, also strong. I, I will go. Okay. All honestly, all of these are like probably my top three. If I'm being like quite frank, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um, but but I guess it's, it's just my association with Ocarina of Time and like that storyline and how the the music was just so beautiful and how it mm-hmm. incorporated you know the the ocarina this musical instrument into the actual gameplay like it was mm-hmm. just like beautiful artistic and honestly groundbreaking yeah, yeah. So. real quick where would y'all rank nintendo 64 like for Super? as far as systems go yeah like it's it, it's hard to say like on a personal level uh, mm-hmm. like nostalgia wise like yeah. my favorite like not taking into consideration like you know graphics or it had the highest rated game and no, no no just like your favorite my my personal favorite is the n64 i feel like okay. it's nintendo's best console wait are are we counting handhelds or home console? yeah why not go for it oh god <laughs> well i will I, I will say i will say it was for me n64 because i literally have a mem- every game that i have i have a memory with something like i had I played Star Fox 64 with, uh, I had a friend named Danny back then, and then I had Diddy mm-hmm. Kong Racing. I remember Danny. Yeah, remember? I had Diddy Kong Racing with my dad, yeah. I had Super Smash Brothers with Bernard, I had Mario 64 with Ethan, like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, oh, I'm sorry, I, I forgot about this. I had uh, WWF No Mercy, which is my favorite wrestling <laughs> game of all time. It's still the best wrestling game of all time. Like, it's so remember, good. Uh, yeah. Avery, my boy Avery, and then Tim McGee, uh, I used to, I have a, I literally, have, every one of those games I have a memory connected to, so to me, that mm-hmm. yeah, it's, that's my favorite. System. Um, yeah, I probably to echo, echo Troy. N sixty four is probably my favorite, and then my second is probably Game Boy Color. It's it's very close, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I guess Game Boy I associate with Pokemon, whereas like N sixty four, it's like the whole catalog of games. Yeah, I would I would have to put sixty four fourth after Dreamcast, PS two, P- and PS one. Um, but that really says a lot considering I never actually had one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I haven't even seen. Like it. I never, I never, I never had one at all. I like I experienced all of N sixty four either at Bernard's house or at Troy's house. So um, that really just speaks a lot to that I will system. Say, it was is groundbreaking and it's amazing and I love it. I will say Dreamcast is definitely a close second. So uh, I agree with that. Um, yeah, like I, I, I died too soon. I remember <laughs> it's Dreamcast. Like Troy, Troy and I, we were over um, our cousin. Stefan's house and like oh Stefan had fallen asleep and we like stayed up all night beating freaking we, we, we kept passing the controller back and forth okay your turn okay your turn like <laughs> until we beat the whole game <laughs> that was the first time I ever had coffee ever, and we stayed up until like <laughs> and, <laughs> yo that was the first ever time and I was like my mom would kill me if she knew I was drinking coffee Oh, okay. she would have literally like Gosh, like she would have been in prison right now for murdering. Yeah, she's gonna hear this. So the funny thing is, she's that gonna... <laughs> my, my mom. I love was, you, Miss Keisha. My, my mom was was different clearly because like I had coffee since I was eight, so I was like, "This ain't nothing but a thing." I was like, "Keep it." <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, but oh, yeah, man. no memories. Thank you, Nintendo, uh, forever and always. I love you. 
and, and you guys are the best. Always uh, and forever. Yeah, th- <laughs> okay. thank you, and and N sixty four. Like it was a, a major part of my childhood, and just like looking back and like thinking on it, because you know you don't always like stop and, and think, but it's like that's definitely kind of a, a hallmark right there for for me personally. So thanks go out to Nintendo. And thank you yes. to Bernard Willis for letting me watch you play uh, Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time a lot and beating my ass in Smash Brothers <laughs> all the time. Yes, absolutely. It was awesome. Uh, up until, you know, he beat mine too up until, you know, I got amazing well, and I'm the best of everybody. Well, then, but, I, well, then I discovered Toon Link and now I'm actually a decent <laughs> player. So, you know, right. it's fine. But yes, this is Blur Culture signing off. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Join our Facebook group and rate our show on iTunes. We love y'all. And this is Troy signing out. This is Ethan. It's been real. And this is Sean. Thank you, Beyonce, for a concert of a lifetime. I will never forget it. And I can't wait to see you again. <laughs>